And I'll never forget it. He, he said, can we talk? And I said, sure. And he goes, I'm sober 16 years. He goes, and I'm not thinking about drinking. He said, but I can't shake this thought of killing myself. And I thought, let's go sit down. This is the message that I try to give to that guy that's wondering what's going to be different. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M., I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride, take what you want, and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Greetings from deep in the heart of Texas. That was the voice of another Texan, Mr. Charlie P., that you heard at the beginning of this episode, and you will be hearing so much more from that gentleman in just a moment. But first things first, this here episode, episode number 203, or Dose, oh, trace, 203 of Sober Speak is brought to you by Ian and Terry and Kurt and Todd and Joshua and Jason and Anonymous. What do you say did Ian and Terry and Kurt and Todd and Joshua and Jason and Anonymous do? Well, they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com, and they clicked on the little yellow donate tab, and they made a, a contribution. Thank you so much, Ian, Terry, and Kurt, and Todd, and Joshua, and Jason, and Anonymous. This episode is coming right out to you. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you very much. Anyway, um... I, John M., just another bozo on the bus, will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in, so take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. Remember, no matter who you are or what your past looks like, you are welcome here. It is an open table to all, and we are so excited that you have joined us. So I was just thinking, uh, you know, last week when I was recording this, we had uh, our bearded dragon. Uh, go back and listen to last uh, last week's episode if you haven't heard it. But anyway, the bearded dragon was behind me. It was in the bathtub. It was having some challenges to make a long story short. And uh, this week I was just about to crank up and my wife walked into the room with our... Oh, it looks like a rat. It's like a little baby hamster. I think they call it a dwarf hamster, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it was just running all across the room. And so it was running across the bed. It was running across everywhere. But anyway, they have departed. And I am now recording. Who knows? They could come back in while I am recording this. Both the little rat and the lovely Mrs. M. What do I want to talk about today? Well, let's just go right on in to Mr. Charlie P. Charlie P, we are calling... This is the third time that Mr. Charlie P has been on the podcast, has recorded an ep on the pod, and we are calling this one the second surrender 
in Alcoholics Anonymous. This, what Charlie P is doing, is as close, I would say, to a big book workshop as we've had on the podcast, and I'm so glad to be bringing this to you all. In this episode, we address the desperation, I say we, actually Charlie addresses, the desperation of a drowning man, uh, something that uh, Charlie calls the confirmation bias. What is that, you ask? Well, listen in. He also talks about the very manifestations of self and how they uh, manifest themselves. And he also talks about fact-finding and fact-facing and what Charlie also refers to as the, quote, the deal, not the quote, quote, the deal, unquote. And anyway, we have that. And much, much more. So sit back, buckle up, enjoy the ride. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Charlie P. Enjoy. And we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this app. Okay, everybody. So we are back with the one and only Charlie P. again from the Austin, Texas area. Well, I just took away part of what I like people to give in their introduction. But Charlie P., why don't you go ahead, give your, uh, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and then tell people what I just told them, where you live in this great land of ours. <laughs> Thank you, John. I'm Charlie P. I'm a very grateful alcoholic. My, uh, I live in Austin, Texas. My home group is the primary purpose group of Alcoholics Anonymous in Austin. We meet on Tuesday nights at 7.30 live at 2701 South Lamar. If you're ever in Austin on a Tuesday night, we'd love for you to come see us. And uh, and then we meet on Zoom on Wednesday nights. We've been having a Zoom meeting for all this. And once again, can you give out the Zoom ID for those who are spread across the land and may want to join this? We sure hope to see you. Our Zoom is 630-577-473. And there's no password. It's so funny. We were just, I was just talking earlier about, I remember last May, and we're speaking in, in mid July now, but last, the May of 2020, I remember people were making appointments for, for June and I, or July. And I was like, we're not going to still be doing this in June. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Here we are a year later. And I don't know that we'll ever go back to not having any Zoom participation and, it's really, it's had a, 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 a nice effect on the face of AA, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, it forced a lot of us old farts to confront technology. And, uh, right. Yeah. And when I first started this um, podcast, I remember talking to people a couple of things about number one, what a podcast was. And then I, had, I was asking them to join Zoom links and all this sort of stuff. And it was like, what is he talking about? But now it's like, you know, everybody uses this stuff, and it's made my job a lot easier, I can tell you that. Well, I think there's a lot of good and very little negative I've seen so far. So, um, we were delayed a little bit starting today, and I just wanted to cover this real quick because I think it's interesting to me at least. So, you were out shooting shotguns, right? Why don't you tell folks what you were doing? It's uh, one of my favorite things to do. Katie and I are both heavily involved in competitive shotgun shooting. And um, before anybody gets the wrong idea, you know, we're shooting clay targets. And, you know, to us, our firearm is like a tennis racket or a golf club. You know, we're, we're out there having a lot of fun and fellowship with it. And we go all over the country shooting uh, uh Clay targets, and it's called sporting clays, and we just have a lot of fun and fellowship with it. And, and today was a good day. I actually performed well and won my division, and um, so I came home in a great mood. That's great. Is that the one where yeah. they go, pull, pull, that's right? It. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I've watched yeah. enough TV. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> friend of mine has a license plate that says pull. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that, is it a competitive sport like in the Olympics or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do it in the Olympics. And then I have some friends that are on their way to Hungary uh, 
I, I didn't even come close to making the team, but there, there's a world event in Hungary next week that a lot of my friends are going to. It's just something we came across, and, you know, we love the fellowship of AA, and we discovered a nice fellowship in this community, too. I've, I've said many times that 99% of the people you meet in this sport, you would let babysit your grandchildren. You know, oh, so, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Um so, and I, I want to go ahead. You asked me before we started, you know, if your voice sounded okay. And I just want to address that because we, I think we talked about it on b- both the past uh, two episodes. Uh, and, and the first time I met you, you were about to go, or the first time we were, we recorded, I should say, you were about to go have a, some sort of throat surgery. And then the last time we ended up chatting, you had just gotten out of that. So what, why don't you go ahead and update us on your throat? Charlie. Well, we'd hoped for a little more uh, smooth results in this, but I'm, I'm not sure. We know enough to know it's not cancer, and I just have what they call throat dysplasia, which is a fancy word for there's something wrong with your throat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I uh, I go in every few months and they look at it, and it seems like about every three years they, they either laser treat it or... But, I told the surgeon if it if it just keep me walking and talking and if it doesn't get any better than this we can deal with it but I won't I won't be hitting any high notes <laughs> no time soon huh right. All right. So the first episode that we recorded with you was called uh, I thought I just changed my mind. And basically, you laid out the, I guess, what we call the problem where alcohol is concerned. And then we were going to kind of go into the solution and the plan of action. Uh, The next episode that we recorded with you, um, I called, oh, so our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. So this is our third time together. And if I remember right from last time, where we were going to pick it up was with the how and the why of it. So talk to me about where you want to take this conversation next and what kind of thoughts you want to share. That's a great question, John. You know, this runs a lot, a lot along the lines of how I'd sit down with somebody, too. If, you know, in, in our first meeting, we would spend about an hour and 15 minutes talking about step one and the physical allergy and the mental obsession and then the, the mental blank spot, which drives us into the need for power. And then some talk about the power and prejudice behind it in, in the second step. But one of the things I've talked about, I'm, I'm sure, is that I had my biggest spiritual awakening when I'd been sober a long time. I'd been sober 17 years when I had my biggest spiritual awakening. My sobriety date is March 22nd of 1985. And uh, this message of this, what I I call this is the second surrender. And that's what I want to talk about. And it's, it's it's a powerful message for the new person, but it's really, I speak a lot to people that have, Either they're coming back in to AA, and for a whole bunch of people, you know, I talked about how much I missed uh, in in some of those earlier years, and I used to be embarrassed to talk about how much I would missed. In the I worked a program like the problem was alcohol. I used to be embarrassed about how much I'd missed until I realized how much company I had. When you say missed, are you talking about kind of how you missed the target, so to speak? Well, I missed. My, the biggest mistake I see being made in AA, assuming there are any mistakes being made in AA, was kind of my experience the first time. It was basically, are you alcoholic? And we didn't spend a great deal of time talking about what that means as far as physical allergy, mental obsession, that sort of thing, the way it lays it out in the doctor's opinion in the first 44 pages. But then when we started talking about, do you believe in God? I struggled with that one like about half of us do. But one of the things I've seen in my experience is when you really found that step one experience, you have less work to do in the second step because I don't know why I'd give a flip about a power greater than myself if I still think that my power might get the job done. 
But when you're crushed by this awareness that on my own power, I got no shot. Well, then I get real flexible about this other power. And I love where it says, we in our turn, on page 27, it says, they, when it came their turn, sought the same escape with the desperation of a drowning man. I've always said one of the great things about working with drowning men is they don't ask a lot of heady questions. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's not like they're going to go, pardon me, before before we proceed, um, you know, how's this going to go? You know, how much experience do you have with drowning men? And, you know, that sort of thing. You know, I used to think you needed to tell me, I needed to know what we were going to do. How's it going to go? What's it going to feel like while we're doing it? What's the end result going to be? And I, and I thought it was really important that I approve of the whole process. But, when I'm pounded with this surrender, there's a there's a willingness trapped to that surrender that drives me into this next work. But the big mistake I see being made is going right from however you get there, from are you alcoholic to do you believe in God, and skipping this body of work in pages 60 to 63. And the way that happens is for most for a whole bunch of people, you go from A, B, C, that A, that you're alcoholic and could not manage your own life. By now we know what that means. B, that probably no human power could relieve their alcohol. And C, that God could and would if we were sought. And the next line after that says, being convinced we were at step three. So that tells me that A, B, and C do a pretty good job of summing up one and two. But we went for a whole bunch of us in mainstream AA. You go right from that one and two to the third step prayer. And, and you get me, for a whole bunch of us, the entire experience of the third step is just doing the third step prayer. And that was my experience for a long time. And I've, I've been in places where I was going to do a th- workshop on a third step and had people go, what, what do you mean a workshop on a third step? What is there other than the third step? You know, and you hear people say stuff like, well, the third step is just a decision. And for a lot of us, the third step is about God and just believing in God. But this piece that we started on last is what I call the second surrender. And the first surrender is the surrender to booze and whatever else drove us to our knees, you know, that got us into these rooms to begin with. But we switched to that thing last week where we had gotten to on page 62 where it said, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. And and it says they arise out of, but above that it, it says selfishness self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles who's we they the founders they're saying that they think that the root of our troubles is not vodka it's selfishness and self-centeredness and that's what i missed for a long time it says it turns out that vodka never was my problem vodka was the only thing i'd ever found that would ease the discomfort of a life based on selfishness and self-centeredness so a lot of times the reason I like to talk so much about this is because it's such a powerful message for a guy, either one or two groups or all of us, but the ones it seems to really appeal to is when you got a chronic relapser that's been in and out of AA for 14, 18 years, and he's coming back in and he's thinking for a whole bunch of people, going back to AA or doing AA again means not drinking and going back to those meetings. Mm. And if you got it the way I got it, that'll keep me sober right up to the point that I blow my brains out or get loaded again. Mm -hmm. And the wonderful package of untreated alcoholism is that I get to drag all my loved ones through that uh, period of time with me. And when that guy's coming back going, what's going to be different this time? This is a powerful message. Or my other favorite target audience is when you got people that have been in the rooms for what I call middle management. There's a lot of message of hope for the new guy in AA, but I'm sick of losing middle management. You know, mm-hmm. the, the eight year, the 15 year, the 25 year guy, you know, that's that, that, you know, and I, I had a guy come up to me at a conference one time where Katie was speaking and I'll never forget it. He, he said, can we talk? And I said, sure. And he goes, I'm sober 16 years. He goes, and I'm not thinking about drinking. He said, but I can't shake this thought of killing myself. And I thought, let's go sit down. And this is the message that I try to give to that guy 
that's wondering what's going to be different. And, and so when it got to that piece that says selfishness, you know, we may, invariably we made decisions based on self. We talked about that basis means the underlying foundation or the fundamental principle of my life is that I'm running this thing. Remember over on 60, it said, the first requirement in step three is that I be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. I don't think we had the information on page 60 to be convinced of that yet. So it's, it's, it goes into what I said last time are two very fair questions for the guy I'm working with to ask, which is when, I, it, when we say we want you to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, it would be a fair question for him to go, okay, all right, but what do you mean by that? And what do you want me to do? And last week we got, and so it spins over to the bottom of 62, talking about what we mean. And then that's where we finished last week. It says, above everything, we alcohol, it, We did the thing about extreme example of self-will run, right? Though I usually don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is I always look at my motives and, and this delusion that if everybody would have done right, you know, it, it would have gone a lot better. But, you know, these knuckleheads I'm trying to work with, you know, what's the use? And we get over here and it says, we, above everything, we must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. And then here we bring God into it again. It says, God makes that possible. We can't just have this conversation and go, you know what? My God, that knucklehead from Texas is right. I'm going to be less selfish. I, you know, it's in my DNA. It's my it's my default reaction is is selfish and, and don't. Do you see a lot of people um, get disappointed when it comes to that? God makes it possible. Thinking, mm, I wasn't expecting that. No, I, in fact, I think we have to nudge it back to the power. Otherwise, it sounds like a self-awareness that's going to fix it. And what we're trying to we're not trying to convince this guy that he's got a problem again. We're trying to convince him that he doesn't have an answer, mm. right? That, you know, just awareness of this problem. You're not going to be any better off than Fred was, you know, when he thought all I needed to do was exert my will and stay on my game and self-knowledge would take care of it. And it, just like for Fred, it worked right up till it quit working. You know, and it says, neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have, I love this line where it says, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we couldn't live up to them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce ourselves. So that's the end of what we mean. But look how much I would have missed if we went right from do you believe in a power to the third step prayer. You miss this whole body of work that takes place in 60 to 63. And I I call it the second surrender. Mm. And for a lot of us, the second surrender, we we say this stuff like the guy understands, and they, they nod their head like they understand what we're talking about. They don't understand what we're talking about because at 36 years sober, and doing it this way for a long time, I'm still amazed by the selfishness. And I, I'll tell you a funny story. I had a sponsor that uh, he said, "This I don't have this selfishness like you're talking about. And I, said, I need to think about this. I said, okay. And we got beyond it. We got him into the third step. And about a year later, he called me and he goes, when does the selfishness stop? <laughs> and, and I laughed. I know this was nine years ago because I heard myself saying, brother, I don't know the answer to that question, but I know it's more than 27 years. <laughs> and, and what I didn't realize is in the third step promises, it doesn't promise that selfishness is going to go away. It says, and we're going to talk about that here in just a minute, but it says established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. But if I think I'm never going to run up against it, what would I need the 10th step for? You know, or, or continuing inventory here. So right here at the bottom of 62, the last new paragraph on the bottom of 62 
We've been talking about, remember when you said, just what do you mean by that? And what do I do? Well, we're going to switch here at this is the how and why of it to what we do. And it says, first of all, we had to quit playing God. And then, well, why would I do that? Well, because it says the next three words. It didn't work. You know, we, we in AA, there's another book where they say you shall know these men by their fruits. In AA, we say, how's that working out for you? <laughs> right. You know, and, and, you know, if, if you run in a show is working out real good and you don't have any conflict at work or in your family or your wife, or, uh, rock on. You know, but if you're like me and you keep hitting walls in sobriety and hitting walls and in jackpots with with people, even though I'm trying to do the right thing, this is a new piece of business. And this is what I call the deal. And in my book right here, it says the deal. We switched over the how, what we do. And the deal is I'm going to quit playing God. Now, it's funny. The third step decision is not in the third step prayer. It's right here at the bottom of page 62. And it says, next, we decided, there's the decision, that hereafter in this drama life, it's going to give us three comparisons. God's going to be our director. Well, now this play we were talking about in the last session, where I'm always trying to run the show and rearrange the lights, the ballet, now it has a new director. I never was the director. I was an actor that thought I was the director. <laughs> And that's why I pissed off so many people. You know? <laughs> and now, and it says, he is the father. We are his children. And it says, most good ideas are simple. And this concept, what concept? The concept that I am no longer in management. In the military, they talk about that's above my pay grade. And there's just a whole bunch of stuff that, that's above my pay grade. And if I'm, I am no longer in management, and it says, was, if this concept was the keystone, the most important stone, the stone that holds the whole archway together, is this thing that I'm not running this thing anymore. And it says, this is the keystone of the new and triumphant one. Check it out. On, we call that the deal. The deal is that I am no longer in management. On page uh, um, 46, it says, uh, we find that God doesn't make too hard terms for those who seek him. Well, these are what I call the terms of the deal. The deal is that I'm no longer paying, but it says, when we sincerely took such a position, what position? The position that God's in charge, and that suits me just fine because I'm getting my brains beat out out here trying to run it myself. And for a lot of us, this second surrender comes after we've been sober a few years trying to run the show ourselves as sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it, and it, and it, but now it's going to give me the terms of the deal, and it's a very straightforward deal. It says, we had a new power employer. Okay, being all-powerful, here's God's role in the, in the terms of the deal. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. Okay, that's a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. That's God's side of the deal. And here's the two terms of my side of the deal. If we kept close to him and performed his work well. And the thing that I didn't see for a long time, John, is that from here on out in the rest of the work, there ain't nothing else. Everything we do, this is what we call the pivot point in recovery in, the, in our process, is where we pivot to everything from here on out is either about staying close to him or perform his work well. And Let me take a little break here just real quick. We will be continuing our conversation with Charlie P. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You find us on the World Wide Web at www.soberspeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics organization or institution we do not wish to engage in any controversy neither endorse nor oppose any causes all right now back to charlie p charlie i, I just want to bring up something here that's been kind of going through my head as you are walking us through this uh 
a lot of times people come on here and more maybe toward your first episode. And, and I know you hear these uh, various talks when you go to conferences and you've heard all kinds of talks, right? And it's just more of a kind of a, uh, it's a story. It's something you can listen to, you know, kind of while you drive and you can listen to something like this while you drive. But in your episode, I'm going to suggest that people kind of go back or, or listen to this while you're actually stabilize if you will not driving a car or something like that and you can actually like i am with my big book right now as he's talking go to these various pages and look at them yourselves and i will say that you are much more of a a, a technician with the book as opposed to you know kind of going through the stories and all that kind of stuff i know you attach some stories to it and i absolutely love that because this is how actually i in the beginning learned the big book from listening to joe and charlie tapes i would sit down with those tapes i would look at the pages they were talking about and then i would think about that you know i know they would explain it then i would think about well how does this apply to me and that's a lot of what the primary purpose group is about is about looking at these words you know kind of diving into them and thinking you know asking the god of your understanding into that moment and saying how does this apply to me and i've heard it also described as inductive type of a study throughout the book or anything else that you're looking at am i correct yeah yeah and and i I, like you i've been the beneficiary of some really good sponsorship i was with mark houston who was sponsored by don pritz sponsored by gary brown and paul martin and tom uh powers and right to dr bob and and the same with uh myers sponsored by cliff who was sponsored by joe of joe and charlie you know so uh i'm i love the book but I have to, one of the things I have to watch out for is what I call a confirmation bias. And a confirmation bias is where the reason we work so much with the set-aside prayer is a lot of times when I read the book, I'm not looking for new information. I'm looking for confirmation of ways that I'm already right. So, What do you I, call that again, the confirmation bias? Confirmation bias. And, and what it does is I, the stuff that I agree with, I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's what I always said. And, and But then, you know, I, you can't tell me anything about this. I already got it highlighted and underlined in my book. But the stuff that doesn't fit into my current belief system, I just let it go right by me. Because I don't know how I missed this self-piece, what I call the self-piece, for so long. You know, because... Now, when I talked about we skipped 60 to 63, now I think my poor sponsees are going, oh, no, I got a sponsor that's only read three pages out of the big book. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> we just live in this stuff. And now look what happens. You know, so we made this new deal with God. that, And when I say God, I'm speaking of the power behind the name God. So what you know, whatever works for you, plug it in there. I use God because it, you know. But the power will not be defined or by me. I can tell you that. But um, and my my belief has moved around over the years. But um, hey, can we well, go back to just real quick before you go on? Because I think you brought up something really important just a little bit ago. You brought up the kind of the deal and my part of the deal being kept close to him and performed his work well. I mean, we could spend days talking about just, you know, kept close to him by itself and then performed as his work well by itself. But when you think about keeping close to him, I, I mean... Gosh, what comes to mind? I guess just working the rest of the steps. Huh? Well, I'll speak to that. That's uh, a great question. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the third step promises, but it does say established on such a footing, which means the same thing as basis. I love that word basis, basic, basically. Bill used it a lot. So now this new basis, the fundamental principle of my life, is that I'm, not, I'm no longer in management. This is on that new footing. I become less and less, more and more, and I see how I can contribute to life as I feel, listen to these for a topic for a meeting, as I felt new power flow in, as I enjoyed peace of mind, as I discovered I could face life successfully, as we become conscious. Now, here's a huge, another word that I've chased through the big book is this word conscious, because for a long time, I thought the book was trying to move me to a belief in 
the power or, or a faith in the power, but it talks a whole lot about consciousness of the power. Where what does God have to do with Saturday? What does God you know? And and this this consciousness it says the con because as we became conscious of His presence, we began to lose the fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. Well. And, and, and later on, it says, the consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. On page 51, it says, here are many thousands of people who flatly declare that the consciousness of the belief in the power is the most important fact of their lives today. Not the power. The power's been there. It's not like when I took the third step prayer, God stepped his game up. You know, I mean, it's it's that I am <laughs> like like he was sitting there on a cigarette break going, "Oh, whoa, hold up, didn't know you were coming." No, <laughs> no, it's my consciousness of this power that's that's moving, and and then it, it says we were now at step three, and so this is really just an affirmation prayer of the decision we made on the previous page. Now it means something. The first time I did the third step prayer. It just sounded like a bunch of churchy talk, you know. But now when it says, God, I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me as you will. Relieve me of this bondage of self, all right? Now that means something. Why? So I can have an easier go of it? No, it says, so I can better do your will. Take away my difficulties. Why? So I can chill out, watch football? It says, no, that victory over my difficulties would bear witness to those I would help. His power, his love, his way of life. May I do your will always. Now that prayer really means something to me. And when I do the third step prayer with a guy, we get on our knees, and I've done it in hotel lobbies and restaurants, and and, uh, and uh, um, they say the third step prayer, and then I say the third step prayer. And I promise you there's some times where I'm feeling it more than he is. But now here's the thing. It says it talks about you know, the different ways, but the next word, the next thing after that, and we we'll just barely touch on this. But it it says next we launched out on a course of vigorous action, right? And I used to think the course of vigorous action was the inventory. Now I see the course of vigorous action as steps four through nine, and and speaking back to the terms of the deal. It says, stay close to him and keep and, and perform his work well. Well, it turns out that I can't stay close to this power until I get close to this power. And I can't get close to this power when I'm blocked. So now it's changed the whole deal about what's going to happen in this inventory process. This is the first step of that vigorous house cleaning, is a, of that vigorous course of action, is a personal house cleaning. So our decision, what decision to, to to no longer run the show was vital and crucial. It could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which are blocking us. My wife likes to say that a spiritual experience is of no value if it's not followed by action. And so I use the analogy of a pipeline here. And I've, I've, I've got it drawn in the back of my book. And there's this pipe. And I'm on one, me is on one end of the pipe, and the power is on the other end of the pipe. But my pipe is clogged up with guilt and remorse and resentment and fear and shame and, and, uh, harms and selfishness and those stories. So what we're going to try to do in steps four through nine is remove at least enough of what's blocking me that there can be some flow of power through that pipe between me and this power, which we've admitted is our only shot. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. So, I, you know, Charlie, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of looking through the book as you're talking, oh, and, so uh, and I love how technical you are about it. Um, and so when you're talking to a sponsee, is this basically kind of how you uh, sponsor a guy uh, that you're taking through the book, going through all these various steps and such? It's exactly how I would take the guy through. And right now we're going to switch over. Check out what it says when we roll into the fourth step. I love my buddy Scott L. says there's two time references on when you're supposed to start your fourth step. 
And, and he says, he tells his guys, you can start on the first time reference or the second time reference or anywhere in, in between. That seems fair, doesn't it? Would you say a first time reference or a second time? Talk me through that. It, again. it, gives, it gives us two time references on when we should start our inventory. Mm -hmm. And he tells his guys, you can do it on the first reference or on the second reference or anywhere in between. It seems fair. Well, listen, it says, next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. That's a time reference. And on the next page, it says, could have little permanent effect unless at once. Gotcha. So he says, he tells his guys, you can do it next or at <laughs> once or anywhere in between. <laughs> in other words, the idea is to get cracking, right? That's right. Yeah. And so, and, and, you know, and I've seen this many times. I know you have, you know, you get to this third step, people do it. They're all kind of excited. And then you say, okay, now it says at once, and then they disappear for a while. Well, and they go to discussion meetings where if they say I'm working on my four step, there's this collective groan, like, He's going into boot camp when the truth is we should be cheerleaders for this guy saying, oh, my God, you're entering a process that can set you free. You know, um, and, and, you know, it says it was and I love this. It says, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. Well, therefore means based on what we've just been saying. So I like to say whenever you see a therefore in the book, you got to ask yourself, what's that therefore, therefore? Yeah, <laughs> based on everything we just said, we're going to start this personal inventory. Now, here's the way I want to tie this to this self piece. It says, taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding, fact-facing process. Well, my belief now is that as the sponsor, my job is the fact-finding, and his job is the fact-facing. And it says to get rid of these things properly and without regret. Now, check this out. Middle of the page 64, we did exactly the same things. They, being we being they, our founders, did exactly the same thing with their lives. They searched out the flaws in their makeup, which caused their failure. Check this line out. If I missed the self-piece in the third step, what did I do? That's why I'm talking about that confirmation bias. What did I do when I got to this line? It says, being convinced that self... Manifest in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered self's common manifestations. So check it out. Over on page 60, it says the first requirement is that I be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And over here on 64, it says being convinced that self was what had defeated me. So we believe in turning statements into questions in this book. Right there, I put, am I? Am I convinced? And so if, if over on 60, it says, I have to be convinced. On 64, it says, being convinced. That tells me that the work of 60 to 64 has been to convince me that my life run on self-will has no chance of being fulfilling. And then it... And it says, and so now it changes the whole drive of the inventory because my first inventory was just kind of a, a confession of stuff I felt bad about. Wasn't a terrible exercise, but not what I see now. And now it says, being convinced itself is what it defeated us. If you turn that sentence around, it says uh, that the fourth step is now a consideration of the common manifestations of self. So now I'm back to this new guy going, okay, Charlie, I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand self, you know, whatever, but what am I looking for? And I go, well, we're going to take a look at the common ways that self shows up. And the first one is resentment as a manifestation of self. The fear inventory as a manifestation of the failure of self-reliance. And then the sex inventory, manifestations of self when the sexual instinct is aroused. Not me or you, of course, but some people. Right, some people, you know, right. Get selfish around sexual <laughs> stuff. <you know? laughs> Fortunately, we're spiritually evolved. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Mountaintop, mountaintop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, 
look at the way. So now, when you got this guy that's going, what's going to be different? And he, uh, this is, if I get an hour with the guy or an hour and a half with the guy, we're going straight to this self piece. Mm. Or I'm going to say, I'm going to start off by saying, what, what do pages 60 to 63 mean to you? And because for a lot of us, there's a new experience available in this third step. And it changes the way I write inventory. It changes my six and seven. It changes what I do in the amends. If I missed it in the third step and I missed it in the fourth step, look, look what it says at the end of the inventory process. When you skip over to page 71, we hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. What? Am I convinced of that? Then we get over into the amends process. And it says, on 76, it says, we attempt, look what we're doing in the amends process. We attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live life on self-will and run the show ourselves. It's all over the program. And I missed it for 17 years, hmm. you know? So I couldn't figure out why I was blowing up marriages and always in jackpots at work and stuff like that. So I think that is a good spot to pause, if you would be okay with that. And we didn't really talk about this beforehand, but would you be willing to come back and talk about that? turning point, if you will, uh, for you after 17 years and what they meant to you and continue on with some of this, uh, with some of the book? Absolutely. I'd, I'd love to. I'm really, I'm enjoying what we're doing. I'm glad, Charlie. And I've enjoyed meeting you. And hey, listen, I want to tell you this too. I, and I thought about whether to talk about this on air or not, but you know, but I'm just going to throw it out there because this is just kind of how I am and what I do. Uh, sometimes when you hear the term primary purpose group, there are people that I know that, I don't know, for whatever reason, they think it's legalistic or they have a, a bad impression of it or something like that. I've never actually been to a primary purpose group meeting and it's basically because it's just not near me but you know what i don't all i know is i know you i love you to death you were a good man have you ever heard that before am i just uh, oh sure and there are people that in their fervor of uh big book awareness and what you tend to go out i've said for many years people rarely um respond to a message of, you know, you guys are killing people with your watered down message. I mean, it's not like people are going to slap their forehead and go, oh, thank God you came by, you know, you know, <laughs> had you not come by, we would have killed people in our ignorance. No, but when you talk about, I saw it this way and I had this experience, I looked at it this way, having a much better experience, I now, I am a technician. I don't mind that label because I do th think we used to be a recovery program with a support fellowship. And now, somehow, we've turned into, a, in a lot of areas, a sobriety fellowship with an optional program. You know, I mean, take your time. And, and right. to me, there's an earnestness about it right. that uh, I love. But I really love to be able to wake up people that have been here for a minute. Yeah. And here's what I could tell you from working with Charlie uh, and Katie thus far. And that is, I could tell you how people are off mic, if you will, 
and how they handle things like technical difficulties and their, you know, their phone calls and their text messages and, and all that kind of stuff. And Charlie I, I, is just a gentleman and a half, you know, I'm sure you've had your moments before. I mean, I know I have, but I have just like thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our time together. And, and I look forward to more, you know, um, this is going to be cool. So me too. This is what the way I sponsor. And, and so I, I'd love to talk more about it yep. because we're, we're basically just rolling into the inventory process. Right. And, you know, and this is the closest thing that I have thus far on the podcast to what I would call a big book study. Uh, or workshop. Or workshop. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and I love it. And that's why I want to continue on and get through the rest of the pages. And, you know, and, and as you know, I'm going to have your wife on eventually so she can come in and correct all your mistakes. I'm sure. Oh, be careful. I've said many times that Katie's kind of like getting a drink from a fire hose. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you get a little more than you were expecting. (laughs) Well, I'll look forward to that. All right. Well, listen, God bless you. I'm going to read, if I can find it here, uh, page 164 from the book. Book. Fortunately, I have it out because Charlie and I are having a conversation about the book. And page 164 says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. That's in all capital letters, by the way. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and Charlie P., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Charlie P., once again, my friend, thank you for joining me today. God bless you as well, John. I've I've had a great time. Bye-bye now. Thank you so much, Mr. Charlie P. I really appreciate you, and we will look forward to having you back on the podcast again. Now, on to a little bit of listener feedback from Ewan's. Sabine writes in, I hope I'm Sabin, Sabine, I think S-A-B-I-N, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but hey, I'm doing my best. Oh, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have leaf blower guy outside my window right now. Somebody's mowing lawns and blowing leaves and oh, just the sound of the city. It's so pleasant, so meditative. Just kidding. Anyway, Sabine writes in and the subject line is enjoying the podcast. He says, hey, John, sure am enjoying the podcast. I've been trying to get sober now for about a year, but I've only been to meetings consistently for about two months. I have 27 days sober this time around, so I am plummeting Toward toward my thirty day chip, <laughs> you you plummet away, Mister Sabine. Uh, he says I am a forty five year old special education teacher from Central California, and it has taken me a long time to admit that I have a problem with drinking, much less that I need a program like AA. But my goodness, these meetings are like meditation for my soul. And your podcast is the same. Right now, I'm going back and listening to all the Reno John episodes and really enjoying it. He's great. He says, also, I have Really appreciate your witty, informative, comedic banter at the beginning of each episode. Thank you so much for your lighthearted presence while also doing the heavy lifting of providing constant for dudes like me who are working through our character defects. I sent a a request on Facebook to join your super secret Facebook group. And I'm looking forward to interacting with y'all. Namaste and jaw bless J A H bless Sabine H. And I believe if I am not mistaken, jaw is God basically. And I think it could be from like a Rastafarian type of God, if I'm not mistaken, but nonetheless, namaste. You can't see it right now, Sabine, but I'm doing, you know, like little namaste hands and jaw bless right back at you. Thank you so much for writing in Sabine. By the way, there are those who may, 
Mm, disagree with your uh, um, fact that I uh, have a witty, informative, and comedic banter. Uh, some people, it just gets on their nerves, but I do appreciate the compliment. Thank you so much. And we're glad to have you in that super secret Facebook group. I know you made it in. So if there's anybody else out there who is wondering about this this super secret Facebook group that uh, Sabine refers to, um, just search for secret. You don't have to put the super in there. Uh, a gentleman named Dave here that uh, listens to the podcast actually uh, gave that nickname uh, many moons ago, actually. But if you just search for the secret Facebook group, for sober speak you'll see a you should find it you can't see who's in it by the way um because that's why we call it super secret but you can ask to be uh admitted and we will admit you in it just don't sound crazy or something like that right so we can admit you in Nick writes in, he says, morning, John. I think you wrote this in the morning. What do you think? Nick L here from Cincinnati or Cincinnati, as some people call it. He says, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you. Also, episode 90 with Brenda J was in big capital letters, outstanding. Yes. If you haven't heard episode 90 with Brenda J, go back and listen to it. You can find it. Uh, you can... Oh gosh, if you go to our website and you're not exactly sure how to find it, you click on podcast and then there's a little search feature. Just type in Brenda's name. You'll see her with about three or four different episodes, but um, um, you can definitely find episode 90 in there. He's And he says, Nick writes, so much laughter and tears came from me while listening to that episode. Another one that I really enjoyed or all of the Gary K episodes, his wisdom in the life of AA truly inspires me to stay sober and give me straightforward direction to the path I should lean toward. God willing, on the 7th, I will be 60 days sober. Good for you, Nick. I started on episode one of Sober Speak, and now I'm on episode 97. <laughs> You've got about halfway through there, my friend. He says, thank you so much for your time you put into Sober Speak. Also, are you having an upcoming live event anytime soon? I would love big capital letters to come. Thanks, Nick L. Well, Mr. Nick, we would love to have you from Cincinnati. And uh, I'll make sure to, to put out an announcement. You know, in fact, we had Gary K scheduled to be uh, live on one of our last uh, um, times before COVID hit, basically. And we never got him out here. And so I would love to have Gary and other speakers and do some live events. Uh, there's a couple things. Number one, we're still in dealing with all these various variants or whatever, various variants of, uh, of the COVID. And I just want to wait till things kind of settle down a little with that. And then, you know, it's just a little bit of time putting it together and making sure that we got all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. But I will be sure Mr. Nick L., to make an announcement if and when we have another live event here in the Dallas area. But thank you for asking about it. Marie writes in, and she said, oh, and the title was Don M. Episode. So she listened to Don M., the episode we had there. And she said, hey, John, a couple of months ago, my friend John, who now lives in Indiana, started forwarding me these awesome recovery texts every day. It's the first thing I read when I wake up most mornings. I hadn't listened to one to one of your podcasts in over a month because life has been hectic. Today, I randomly chose the Don, episode, Don M episode as I was listening, and it hit me that he is the guy who composes these texts that my friend sends me. Big smiley face. She said, so it was great to put a voice to the text and hear more from him. I love Sober Speak, and I won't stay away so long again. <laughs> she says, I really miss it, and you're joyful silliness. Don't ever change. Well, thank you so much there, Marie. Oh, and she says, yesterday, I have five years of sobriety. Yeehaw! 
Miss Marie. That's fantastic. And I'm so grateful for the AA program. I'm so grateful for people like you who give them give themselves so freely in order to help others. You do a great job of carrying the message. Thank you for your service. Peace and love, Marie M. Well, that made my day when I saw it. Thank you so much, Marie. I really do appreciate it. And I, as you know, passed on that message to Don M. as well. Mandy writes in and she says, Well, you came and I gave, well, I take in, and I sent you away, oh, Mandy. Maybe she didn't say any of that. Uh, some of you may know that song, Mandy. Uh, others of you may not. Um, and for both camps of people, you probably just would rather have not have heard that. But anyway, Mandy, she says, hi, John M. This is Mandy M. And I just got done listening to Matthew M. I currently live in Portland, Oregon. And then she puts in parentheses, keep Portland weird. <laughs> well, that poor, those Portlandians are a little out there, uh, Miss Amandy. She says, anyway, I wanted to reach out and express how much this podcast, Sober Speak, means to me and has helped me in my sobriety. I take off on my walks and I get lost in listening to your speakers. I especially enjoy Matthew M. I haven't felt emotion or cried like that and I don't know how long. I also wanted to thank you for Andrew A. for helping me with my weight loss. Every time I reach for a donut, I think of, (laughs) she says, I think of fat Ashley and then big smiley face and laughing faces and all this stuff. So if you haven't heard Andrew A. talk about (laughs) fat Ashley, that's probably not going to make much sense to you, but I think, I think that's fantastic. She says, John M., thank you. Please keep this podcast and your silly banter. There goes my silly banter stuff again going. It's become a comfort to hear your voice. Oh, you'd fit right in here in Portland. Keep Portland weird. Well, I do think I'd fit right. I've been to Portland. I love Portland. I love Seattle. I love that whole Northwest area. Um, but anyway, thank you. And so now I'm kind of picturing you walking out in the streets or the woods or all those trees that you guys have up there uh, throughout that area, having your little earbuds in, listening to my silly little podcast. And and I'm so glad uh, I can be, uh, we can be part of your journey. Thank you, Mandy M. I appreciate it. Oh, Mandy. Why am I? Okay, so I'm singing like, uh, I'm singing Mandy, but kind of like an Elvis voice, not necessarily necessarily Barry Manilow, so it doesn't even make sense. But, you know, it's just how my brain works. Jeff writes in, and the subject line is Father Bill Episodes. So we had a couple of recent episodes with Father Bill W. Yes, Father Bill W. I love his name. Anyway, he says, John, Hope you are well. Well, thank you, Jeff. I am. He says, I really enjoyed part one of the episode with Father Bill W. I related to his story. I like the part where he said he thought he had only two choices. One was to go to Australia and keep drinking or Two, go to India. Well, he says, I live in Australia and I did go to India and I spent time on the Ashram. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He says, and he said he did find another option as I did. I was in sobriety when I went to India. Thank you for your service and so many wonderful speakers. Kind regards, Jeff. And as you know, Jeff, I pass that on to Father Bill W. And I know he was very appreciative to hear from you. As he said, we always love hearing from the Aussies. Thank you so much. Cranky. It's just like the first word I thought of for Australia. Anyway, Michelle writes in and she says, Hi, John. I live in Natick, N-A-T-I-C-K, Massachusetts, and I will have 10 year sobriety on September 14th. Well, congratulations, Michelle. I hit my rock bottom on September 14th of 2011 and it changed my life for the better. 
heard that story many times. She says, I was circling the drain when I came into the halls of AA and I listened to your podcast every Sunday morning when I'm walking my dogs at our state park and it changes my day always. Well, there's another walker listening to Sober Speak. I always like to hear kind of like what people are doing when they're listening to the podcast. Well, I like to, (laughs) let me let me rephrase that. I want to hear like your G and PG rating type of stuff. Maybe a little R, but nothing really, you know. Uh, anyway, I always like hearing what people are doing when they're listening to the pod. Because, uh, uh, you know, I, I think about it all the time. I'm like, you know, we're sending this out into the airwaves. Who's listening to this? What are they doing? But nonetheless, she says, my daughter used to live in Tejas. She says Texas. And then she, when she moved there in 2013 and moved to a little town outside of Austin called Dale. And I love Texas. Thank you uh, for all you do. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the uh, secret Facebook group. Well, we are excited to have you in the secret Facebook group as well, Michelle. Have a great Sunday, she says, Michelle M. Last, but definitely not least, Laura Right, Santa Laura says, Hi, John. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. I've been sober since January twi- twi- Twix, January 26 of 1987. And podcasts have been an amazing tool during COVID. I am in Redondo Beach in the LA area. Well, you know, Laura, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. I believe that both Steve L., who we've had on the pod, and Bill C. live right in that area as well. Uh, And I'm sure there's a lot of other people that live there, but those are the first two people came to mind. She says, I got hooked on Sober Speak after listening to you and David G. Loved those episodes. Thank you for all you do, Laura W. Well, Miss Laura W., thank you for writing in and all your wonderful feedback. Sure do appreciate ya. All right, everybody. That wraps up another ep of Sober Speak. Uh, love you guys. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'll take this a week at a time. Hope to be back next week. We shall see. God bless you. Um, and uh, like I said, keep coming back. Bye-bye now. Trust God.